0: You were now the cat's meow on the dance floor you had the rhythm in your hips and i understand not everybody has rhythm but with these shoes you get it
1: this is champagne is also a band podcast one songwriter one song i'm sven your host for a journey into the music of champagne urbana Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champagne Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast, is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne Is Also a Band podcast. Today, I have Styx and Don. You may know Sticks from such bands as Lou Miami and The Cosmetics, King Moon Razor, Creeps in Exile, Super Friends, White Trash Debutantes, and in the band that we're going to be talking about today, Bristle. And also, Don, we have such bands as Hush Tower, Terminus Victor, Social Imaginary, And, of course, Bristle. So, welcome both to the show.
0: Thank you, Sven. Thank you, Sven. Happy to be here. Awesome.
1: So, today we're going to be listening to your song, Magic Shoes, off the album Invitation, which was just released, I think, was that in October? December 1st. December, oh. Or or
2: more close to December 1st. (laughs) December 1st, last year, we we put it out. uh, And then, of course, the CD release show is December 28th. At the Rose Bowl Tavern. Excellent. Excellent. So without further ado, let's listen to the song.
1: back my first and favorite question Mm -hmm. is what came first was it the music or was it the lyrics the music. music that's generally how i've written
0: pretty much all of my material yeah
1: you play bass predominantly do you write using the bass
0: recently the bass including some of the songs off of the record i used to have an ovation that had a wonderful six string sound I actually smashed that trying to write a song most recently bass in the past acoustic guitar for this song you wrote wrote it with the bass yeah it is very bass driven song it's all okay. rooted in in that bass line so which section did you write first on that bass like what the came verse first? nice definitely and it just had like a little spotty groove and I felt like easily embellished with a vocal melody that often is inspired by a nice walk-in bass line or have what have you a bass progression
1: when did the words come about how did those fall into what became my magic shoes when you're just trying to find any word
0: that may rhyme or you're able to hit the note you're trying to hit without struggling it's almost irrelevant and then and so you'll say something to fit that criteria at least you can sing it you're not really worried about what the words are right now you're just trying to get exercise that vocal melody and then lo and behold you just happen to say my Magic Shoes, you know, it's like, whoop. And then you liked it and you stuck with it. So that's how that thing came about. It's like scatting with, with lyrics, you know, just yeah. like, yeah. just making up sounds and plugging words in, and then you can mm-hmm. piece together
1: some interesting phrasing and run with it. As you're writing it, how did it then get fleshed out with, with the guitar? I'm assuming like Don brought in the guitar part. You're establishing the base of the harmonies and then Don comes in over and how did you mix your part into what Styx had already
2: written you know I try to match the energy of the song and bring my my element or approach to it and we work together on these things like he had laid this song out pretty much you know I bring the guitar and if he likes it you know I say here here's what I've come up with and he's like I like this and then the solo section I wrote kind of just working on on my own in my own headspace for a while and then bring it in and he's like I love it. I mean, there's other times when it's like, maybe not that, can we try this kind of energy? And I'm like, all right, I'll go back and and do it again, you know? But that's how that kind of comes together.
1: Since you mentioned the, the solo, one of the things that I noticed, it does feel like you take it melodically in a new direction. When you write a solo, do you usually improv or do you kind of think about what the chords are and then you say like, okay,
2: these series of notes go together? my approach is I like to play along with the song so I try to get my fingers working but at the same time I'm trying to listen inside what do I want to hear here what kind of energy or expression am I looking for out of a guitar here and with this one I just started hearing kind of those lines that you hear in the guitar parts there, working with the rhythm that was there, and just started putting it together. And this one actually wound up being layered. And I actually kind of heard that in my head as I was playing a part, and then all of a sudden I heard this thing of harmony coming through, and started laying it out and and figured i could do this in the studio easily right or Right. i can't do everything live that i did in the studio but i can do some of it with a loop pedal i have and so i'm able to do some of that harmony live even with a loop pedal oh okay uh, mm-hmm. to kind of allow that to come across live as well after i wrote it and presented it to the to rich and and of course our drummer they they really were excited dan about powell it, so. i'm curious
1: if understanding the message or the idea behind this song like did that inform the way that you did that I mean we're talking about magic and Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if there's there was that kind of sense of like the sound of it is very I feel like melodically you kind of bounce on the walls is but you stay within it but you kind of bounce around and I think Mm -hmm. he
0: takes it out there Yeah, definitely does take it out there in that song. And the layering, it totally builds as the solo moves forward. By the end, it's a crescendo of, you know, wow. Certainly one of the reasons I like working with Don. We have a great local scene, ton of awesome musicians, the University of Illinois. But the appreciation for a good guitar solo, I think, is a little bit lost when I cut my teeth in the 70s. It was about the jimmy pages of the world and the eric claptons of the world and these songs went on with you know a huge part of that song was the guitar solo and working with don gives us a chance to bring that back and gives him a chance to show off his talents and really that's what it's all about he spent a fair amount of time writing the magic shoes solo many many hours so not only to be written well and performed well on the record but he can literally, except for maybe the layering stuff he can play that note-for-note note live on stage. If I was a guitar player, I'm sure I would just improvise a new solo every, every show. <laughs> but right. that's not his approach. It yeah. gives you that consistency, very much
1: so. That does seem that that fits with your style of music, is that there's always that expectation that instead of a bridge or another verse, there's a guitar solo that fills in that additional message if you want to say like the Mm -hmm. sonic message or like the emotional
2: message i'm definitely trying to fit something to the song and i think you're trying to ask this question i do have some thought as to you know this lead part or so i don't know if you can call them solos i guess but you know this guitar part is it expressing what you know is appropriate to the song right is it angry is it frustrated is it sweet is it loving is it hopeful. I think this part that goes in Magic Shoes kind of expresses what I think is in the lyrics and the energy of the song, which is at the core of being human. We all want to hope to be able to do things and have magic talent or be powers. accepted yeah. or loved or appreciated <laughs> or be able to accomplish things, right? It's kind of a basic human desire and maybe even a bit fear-driven <laughs> you know, right. thing. And and to me, the part kind of expresses that rising hope and excitement and it's mm. building and crescendoing and coming to something magical
0: it still stays light-hearted this it's a very light-hearted song oh yeah absolutely. yeah <laughs> it's yep. almost it reminds me of some of the old comic books
1: i mean you mentioned it's this kind of sense of being a, a part of wanting to be loved to wanting to be a part of something each verse is its own Thing about maybe not fitting in or being the one that can actually do things but right. yet just being like well maybe your magic shoes is that you just pretend that you're a good dancer or that you can pretend that you can skate or but really in the end does it really matter no. if you're any good at it it's just you want to get out and dance and you want to be able to right get out and skate that could be, if be you the want magic. to so the magic shoes was the refrain that you used initially Beginning, how did it start forming from magic shoes into this concept? Well,
0: I think it was probably from a lot of my own fears inundated with shyness or what have you and lack of confidence that I think a lot of people carry when it comes to wanting to get up and dance. You know, they went out, they see their friends are dancing, but they are just too nervous and self, uh, what would the word be? And, you know, they're worried they're going to be, people will judge, misjudge them and judge them harshly if they, because their dancing isn't good enough in their mind. And we all know freedom of movement is dance and it's, there is no constriction to that and nobody should be able to judge you. But so with these shoes, all that went out the window. You were now the cat's meow on the dance floor. You had the rhythm in your hips and I understand not everybody has rhythm, but with these shoes, you get it yeah, and you're on. So that was the concept obviously and... I myself have always been able to dance, so I I really wasn't telling a story about myself, but I've seen this many times over throughout my life, that people were just too nervous to go up on the dance floor. The question arises,
1: do either of you skate or have ever skated? (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm just curious. I, I don't.
2: I mean, barely as a kid, but I've never... Did
0: you skateboard? No. I think it's extremely dangerous I went to (laughs) the top of my street when I was like 11 with a really bad skateboard. I lived on a deep hill in Milford, Massachusetts. I went to the top. I tried to go down. I crashed immediately and said, never again. I have yet to get, (laughs) besides maybe a little bit here and there, actually. I used to live in a punk rock commune in Boston, across from the Boston Garden. We actually had a skateboard ramp in our living room. I probably did try it again, but no, it's, it's way too dangerous and I'm too tall what made you think about using that well i mean i being in a punk community skateboarding has always been so interlaced with punk rock and certainly it started in the 80s in the boston music scene you know skateboarding was a really big part of it and so unlike dancing that actually did come natural to me skateboarding absolutely did not so it was always a dream of mine to wish that I could be cool and skate like these super-cool skater kids I knew. They were cooler than me because they could skate, you know. <laughs> right. But um, fortunately, they just looked at me and be like, "Oh, there's one of those band guys. You know We, we, we can get away with not skating and still be OK because we're in the band. We're one of the people playing the music that they love to skate to.
1: So you've never found your face in Thrasher, right? No, that's an abstract dream. (laughs) That's a dream. It's
0: part of the magic of the the fictitious story about me finding these shoes and living my dreams with them. Because they give me the power to be in Thrasher. I feel very comfortable with Thrasher because uh, being as, as friendly that I was with Jake, who was the editor, longtime editor for Thrasher magazine, Jake Phelps, and God rest him, he died about two years ago. And he pretty much was Thrasher magazine to what we know it as today and and have been for the past 20 years. I have a lot of respect for those guys, so that's what allowed me to concoct that verse.
1: I would never have guessed that there was that kind of personal connection to, you know, having your face in Thrasher (laughs) as part of the dream of the magic shoes. So that whole crowd
0: just
2: knew me as Sticks. That guy Sticks. I think it's a cool expression that you wrote into the song that is connected to your life. You know, I just love when I hear that verse, I remember the story you told me about being friends with them and I just think it's neat that it's kind of encapsulated in a song and is a real expression just right out of your life. That's something hmm. I like about it.
1: How did it go from the bass line to Don picking up the guitar and then how did you bring this to the band as a whole and then flesh it out.
0: I'm working with a couple of great musicians. These guys like songs that are a little bit off kilter. They're not afraid to play straight ahead, but this song brings some different tempos and tempo changes and melodic breakdowns that they both were excited about the song when they heard the song. So now when we're asking for everybody to bring their best musical energy into creating and fleshing out the song, the excitement is there, and that's what I, I got from both of these guys when we came together and, and wanted to, as you said, flesh this song out, make
1: it right for Bristol. So Don, how did you flesh out this song? Sometimes we sit
2: together. I think we probably did that on this song, and we've done it with a lot of the songs, so. And then I'll take it home and have a rough recording of it, maybe, or maybe we rough something through in a practice, and I'll work it through with a rough recording and put my mark on it, right, with what I want to hear from the guitar, what chords I want to play, how I want to play the chords. Sometimes I'll change the type of chord I'm playing. You know, it could be an A here or an A up there or, you know. Right. And just try to make it express the energy and feel that we're going for in the song. And on this song, too, I mean, I I go through a fair amount of changes in my sound. You know, There's little things I'm doing with the sound of the guitar as well as... You know, chordal stuff, right? Because that's a big part of, I think, what we're doing here. And just my experience in rock music in general. Those sounds are are kind of important. Uh, The sounds and the tones and the, the other things that go into coloring it. Are important and so I'll work through those things until it feels really good and then share it and see what they think and if we're all on the same page we go forward
1: I'm curious like I've been calling things in my mind and also as as I look at the, the format of this piece so there are these breakdowns or intermissions I almost want to call them so it's not yep. like bridges or whatever <laughs> but but they're ways of not even maybe. I want to call the, the My Magic Shoes line that's kind of the pre-chorus mm-hmm. and then you launch into it using, like, there's this breakdown or intermission that goes into the slip in, inside of My Magic Shoes. Like, how did those come about? Do you use, like, some of the same motifs from before and then bring those in? I'm just
2: curious. It's a combination of working on it. Like I said, rough tracking first, probably. And I'm listening in my head to what do I want to hear? What am I feeling? And then when we get to practice and we get a chance to play it together, inspiration continues there, typically, as especially with this group. I mean, the 3 of us have a good energy and a good chemistry, if you might call it, to where we're communicating and doing things together to make this kind of grow into what the song wants to be mm-hmm. and we're trying to listen for that. So, you know, the target I guess is what's best for the song. Maybe if you want to put a high end goal out there and we're shooting for that together. But we have to do some work separately and then kind of bring it together and and grow Hmm. it into the final version. So
1: So you would say a majority of the parts that were written that finally end up in the final piece, you would say a majority of that you work on those separately? It's it's interesting to hear different ways that people...
2: A good chunk of it was inspiration from how we play this together. This isn't a typical song. This is something else I love about this song. It's kind of all over the place, but... It communicates so much emotion and fun and great energy, even though it's not like a hook necessarily, like a beat thing you might typically hear. I mean, I think we see a lot of great response to that song when we play it. People are just like, what was that? That was fun. That was, you know, people seem to really respond to it well. I think it just makes it a really interesting song. I think I'm losing track of what your question was now, but...
1: You know, it doesn't matter. Like, I was thinking about what proportion of the songs that you do together are... It's introduced, you might spend an hour, but then you spend, you know, six or seven hours by yourself, and then bring those into... I think
0: you described John there. Most of the hours he spent putting together the guitar parts were probably spent away from the band. He has a very engineering, technical approach to everything in life, including his music. He's striving for perfection his sound is a huge part of it you know we're talking about playing and creating but then you need to have the equipment to back it up and mm-hmm. so he also delivers there he plays stereo on stage so there's dual speakers on yeah. each side of the stage with terminus victor as well and it, i love this man
2: sound live yeah, i'll spend a fair amount of time by myself ferreting through guitar how i'm gonna play it and then the inspiration though i i have been technical and i probably still am very technical in approaches that i take but i've doing it for so long there, there is an artistic side that i've learned over the years that you want to let things just kind of go to and you
0: yeah and absolutely what's the
2: inspiration what's the expression we're going for here and not worry too much about the super technical stuff right some of that doesn't yeah. matter
1: well and you also have to be able to move a lot on stage <laughs> to be <laughs> yeah. able to play that so you don't want to get too caught up in the technical aspects or you no. might slip but from both terminus victor and also from what i've seen of Bristol, like it's it's always has a certain energy on stage that seems to define the overall energy that bristle wants to convey right from what you hear on the recordings that's great but also seeing it live is also Mm -hmm. a very important part
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's the number one thing we hear when we're done is just how much energy we have people are just like (laughs) <laughs> it's it's an experience for sure it yeah. can make you tired we really do try to draw you draw you in and tire you out it's keeping an eye on people's eyes and where are they looking and how uh, engaged are they and mm. our crowds tend to stay fairly engaged I'm, I'm happy to say
1: i usually like to say what my favorite part is in the song And then I'll I'll kind of turn over that question to both of you individually. I do love the solo because there's just something about it. It does convey this mystery as well as just kind of like, oh, screw it. Let's just do it. As you understand more and more about the song, you're like, oh, that's exactly what it is. I do love the social beat has skipped this one. (laughs) It's one of my... I, I love that line because I would say when I was younger, I didn't mind running around and dancing and just whatever it didn't matter but now i i feel a little bit more constrained with my own visualization of how how my body moves in space and so i do look forward to a time when i actually can return to this like oh who cares you know just move Mm -hmm. but so those are the two parts i feel i don't know about encapsulates the song but they mean something to me so sticks what's your favorite part of the song
0: I think when somehow I locked onto that main verse riff, and then just sort of magically, this whole thing like doom, doom, doom doom, this part that literally slowed down, and the song almost comes to a complete standstill, and I sing this vocal melody comes out of me with no strumming at all. Yeah. and I sing this like amazing part then crash. Oh, I, but I think it's singing that part nearly solo at that moment. That's my mm. favorite part of performing and that's my favorite part of the song. You know what that almost reminds me of is, is the, uh, what is it that... Uh, when I say slipping side, yeah, by myself. Well, well I'm almost cool. thinking of uh,
1: like visually and also like uh, when you reach the apex of, of your ascension, mm-hmm. there's that point at which it's as if you're completely weightless so it's like this the spot where it's up at the apex and then (laughs) and then you're just about to drop and then you just drop so i I don't know that's 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 that's, a visualization i think that uh
0: you're spot on with that that was sort of how i felt when i sing it and probably
2: when Mm. i
1: wrote it yeah don what's your favorite part
2: i really like it when we're crashing the song down within those parts you know where we're you know to do, to do, to do, to my magic shoes you know oh yeah mm. yeah that was. uh what where it starts is when we bring it down because we're humming along you know on mm-hmm. a pretty steady just typical beat thing to
0: start yeah just
2: you know kick the song off when we hit that part plump 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 plump, plump and it kind of plods it down to this yeah you know, near stop like <laughs> yeah. he says it's so it feels so good to express that it prepares, I think, the song for his favorite part. I love it when he sings this by himself, too. Yeah. It just sounds great. And I don't, it, the song makes me feel kind of what it says, you know, like I can fly. I just feel good about what we're expressing and this, mm. what the song is saying. And it's a lot of fun to be able to do those kind of parts in our band because it takes, you know, you got to be tight you got to be able to do that together it's really satisfying to hit those parts and be tied to each other because i'm really following dan's lead on rhythm he has a real good feel for how to express that following along and being in it with him and and rich is right there too and and then his vocals just fly over the top of it and it's Mm. just it's a really satisfying song for we all love playing that song
1: when you mentioned tight, everything's very pinpointed, like precise, which I, I think is very distinctive. Like, you don't necessarily hear that as much.
0: We like being super tight and not being able afraid to show it off, you know? And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we we hear that a lot, too, just how tight the band is. And throughout my entire career, being in a tight band has always been important to me. Um, some of my earliest memories of being in a music scene in my hometown, it was all about musicianship the most heralded people on the scene were the cats who could really play their instrument you know and that was mm-hmm. how there was uh, no substitute for being a player that was number one so i kind of cut my teeth with that mentality and i've always tried to surround myself with musicians that were better than i am frankly i've never mm-hmm. been the type of bass player that practices constantly and reads and is like doing <laughs> exercises or anything so Right. I've sort of leaned on my vocal melodies and in, in my writing creativity to carry my career, not so much as like a fantastic bass player. Why did you pick this song as your favorite song? Because we felt like it had plenty of talking points, and I wanted to make sure that we had plenty to talk about. <laughs> we didn't have a bunch of dead air here at your podcast.
2: <laughs> I think it's a great song. I think it's unique. I think it kind of describes what we do if you had to try to generally describe what does this band sound like what do you feel like what kind of energy do you bring i think that song throws a lot on the table maybe not every aspect what we do but quite a bit i just think it's a unique song you don't hear songs quite like that with the stopping and starting and having so much feel and appeal Mm. i just think it's a great song i thought it was just a good pick for that reason
0: we're all just trying to get more people to listen to it, expose it to as many people as possible. Whether they like it or not, of course you hope they do, but that's not even that important. It's just making sure they hear it, right? Right. And then if enough people like it, yeah, it can catch on. Even a couple of old guys like us, you know, this stuff could catch on and strike a nerve with America through social media. And all of a sudden we, oh my God, it hit, you know? Yeah. So the thought of that is I think what drives a lot of us original songwriting people, whether we admit it or not, you know, we often say, you know, we're not expecting to make it. we but, but down deep, you're always like, but what
1: if, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> why not us? <laughs> Champaign is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004, carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Welcome back. So, Don, what is your favorite Champagne urbana venue, past or present?
2: Oh, the past is Mike and Molly's. That was kind of the home base for a lot of the musical groups that I either played in or, you know, knew or or hung out with or played, you know, with over the years. Oh, it was such a nice venue. I always joked about the upstairs as kind of the upstairs basement. yes. Some of the early shows I heard there, it was pretty awful. But soundman Bob is an awesome sound guy. He uh, over I don't know the course of eh, not too long months, maybe he dialed it in up there to where it sounded awesome. Yeah, and they made some changes. There was a bar, and they moved some stuff out of the way and all that. But it became an awesome space for indoors in the champaign Urbana area that we just began to love playing there. It's intimate and sounded great you could play loud and just have a great time up there or then they had the options that were really nice out on the the beer garden that was a lot of fun too and it sounded really good out there too just with the way the walls of the buildings were there and how it all kind of worked and so having one venue that had those two spaces to play was just a fantastic uh, and enjoyable experience what a great place Uh, for me as a musician Yeah, I appreciate all the venues because I'll play anywhere. I mean, I love to play. Period. But, and I'm just so grateful to these venue owners and people that put their a huge investment of their lives right into something like that, so that as a musician and all the other musicians, we get a chance to develop. It's an important part of, I think, a quote unquote scene, right? And it's an important part of, as a musical artist, to be able to have a chance to get out there and figure out how this works. How do we do this? And then get better over time, you know? And so I'm hugely grateful to all the venue owners. So I would never say just because Mike and Molly's is my favorite, I don't appreciate the other ones. Right. I appreciate all of them that give us a chance to come in and play and express and have a great time, build community, but also be able to develop as an artist
1: that was one thing that I always thought was so funny about Mike and Molly's is that you could not have anything more polar opposite than the upstairs or the beer garden. It's like mm-hmm. beer garden, just spread out, have all the room in the world, and like fresh beer, air. Yeah, and the, <laughs> yeah. yes, and the the upstairs basement, which I I've never heard that, but I love it because it is the most apt description ever. I'm surprised you didn't mention having to lug everything up the stairs. I well, was thinking well, that dude, myself. You know,
2: well, yeah, we actually in the bands I've played in, we had it down to a. <laughs> A science how to get up there. Sticks, what's your favorite venue?
0: I just hear so much about the Blind Pig, which was a venue that is infamous with Champagne Urbana's or original music and the music scene in general. From my time being in the city, I really enjoyed playing the high dive. I felt like, you know, the closest thing to me feeling like I was in a New York City nightclub or something. Right. With the high stage, and you could always count on a good sound, good lighting. Just love being up there. You get a real, it's a gas, you know. I've seen a lot of awesome shows there, including Queens of the Stone Age and other, Mm. you know, semi and national acts. And I've seen a ton of really fun, great cover ups. So I would say the high dive, close runner up would be for similar reasons. Playing the Cowboy Monkey was you knew you were going to get a pro sound in, in an intimate setting. All our eyes are on the van, tall stage.
1: Yeah. Big sound. Yeah. Could that be part of the secret is like the good venues are the ones that actually have a raised stage? It could very well be. I mean,. It gives you less of the impression that they're just kind of tucked away in the corner, unless there's a real, real stage. Although I'm not going to put down any coffee shop or any place well, that's yeah. just like, hey, let's open this and up And that's to the beauty musicians.
0: of playing at, at the Brass Rail, which mm. has turned the corner and saying, yeah, we recognize a shortage of music venues in downtown Champaign. So mm-hmm. they certainly have opened their doors in the past you know, uh, year or so, right. post-pandemic to live music. And you wouldn't want to be anywhere else but down on the floor (laughs) in a venue like that.
2: There's no space for a stage for sure there, but it's fun. It's great. And the Rose Bowl, love the Rose Bowl now with what's happening with the new club owners, right? Turning it from a country venue for years and years and years into a more open communal place. I love it. Uh, I so appreciate what they're doing there now, too. And it's basically... Very very, inclusive. Yeah, very inclusive. And they made some good changes, too. You know, that rail and whatever and roses was a thing for a long time. But I'm glad it's kind of cleared off because I think it's making space for new growth, new opportunities, new expressions, more open. Mm. It was nice to have that removed, especially for me because I like to... Jump yeah, around, around, around. a bit. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's I get excited, and
1: yeah, and that can be uh, guitar neck height, right? Too. So if you swing, that's not the best. Not a statement. good at, yeah, yeah, you don't want to crash into that. I've had this question during the pandemic, and you know, as performing musicians that have performed in several bands and have been performing for some time, I feel like this is a question that you may be perhaps the best to answer, but. In the time that we've had the pandemic, a lot of the venues haven't been able to have live shows, and we've had to rely on technology to reach out and connect with people in those ways. But I'm kind of curious what makes a good music scene community. So I I want to post that question to both of you. What makes a good music scene? I really feel
0: it starts with people picking each other up. The key term being extremely inclusive and for some of the veterans, seasoned musicians to welcome younger and or new talent and encouraging people and making them feel welcome so that they can create their art free of fear. That's how the best art comes out. That should be the foundation of a great music scene. And we do have some of that going on here. And that's one of the reasons, you know, we have a fine music scene and why when I arrived here from California, I felt like it was a good place to set up shop. Fortunately, you know, working with some fine musicians, I'm able to continue my career, even at 59 years old.
2: It's nice to connect with other artists, right? And just kind of be out there doing it and encouraging each other and working together, putting together shows and trying to make opportunities together to to get out and play. And that provides a lot of support kind of across what I would call a scene. But scenes kind of have their own life cycle too. You know, it it ebbs and flows, right? There's times where it's going up and things are growing and things are happening and it's getting busier and there's more opportunities and people are coming out, you know, things are happening. And then it ebbs again. It's going down after a time where it might have peaked and and now maybe it, it slows down again and maybe it feels like Nothing's happening, but then again, right? You know, I think there's always something going on in those basements all over town or whatever bedrooms, and you know, people working on stuff and just waiting for a chance to get back out again. So I think maybe we're kind of in a lower spot, right? Especially with the pandemic coming through and and really putting a a damper on things for a while here. At the same time, that could create a a pretty big need for the future here of people just dying to get out again and live that community experience, I would call it, of playing shows as an artist or as a listener going to shows or as a supporter You know, going to shows of fellow musicians too. And uh, I could see it, you know having a pretty good growth pattern once we can get through this <laughs> right this pandemic
1: i guess with that said what do you think our champagne urbana community could do better i would like to see greater
0: numbers of people coming out right. and supporting local music you know i think maybe part of the lull that we're in I see sold-out venues where national acts, even less than notable national acts, come through, but just maybe a a little bit less enthusiasm than I'd like to see, maybe for people going out and supporting all these fine acts that we have. All in all, I think actually our city does a good job, you know, people do come out for each other, but it could always be better.
2: Personally, I feel a sense of responsibility to try to get the word out about what we're doing, too. I run a business, too. To make a living, right? Yeah. You know, we create stuff that's new in in the business I do, and it's great, but we're also aware that, you know, a great new product can die if you don't get the word out about it. Right. So there is a responsibility, I think, that goes with creating something new and great or inspirational or something a lot of people might really appreciate and want in their life. But at the same time, if we don't ever push it a little bit and try to get the word out there, they may never get a chance to be even aware that it's there. And that's hard because as an artist, self-promotion is kind of, it can be uncomfortable or it can even feel a little bit like, contrived. I don't want to be cocky or (laughs) necessary. I mean, I don't know, it depends on the artist, but at least from my perspective, you know, that can feel very uncomfortable and... I would like to see us all i'm trying to grow in this myself like i think there's an acceptable level of going ahead and pushing things out there a little bit just to give people a chance to know mm. that you're there rather than just have no opportunity even in the midst of
1: the current coronavirus pandemic the jubilee cafe is continuing to serve packaged home-cooked meals free to all every Monday evening, 5 to 6.30 p.m. Meals are available for pickup outside the 6th Street door to the Community United Church of Christ in Champaign, Illinois, 805 South 6th Street. Jubilee Cafe's mission remains the same. Feed hungry people by cooking healthy and delicious meals. We are open to anyone who cares to receive a meal. For information on the meal or how to volunteer, go to the Jubilee Cafe C-U-C-C Facebook page or email us at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So, sticks. what is your favorite non-musical
0: thing? Lately, I would say, like, sports. Following the Illini and following my Boston teams, I find I just really like to stay up on that stuff. And okay. I can talk sports with people for, like, two hours or whatever and know mm-hmm. all the names. Because there's a lot of people that are along with me on the sports tip. So I really enjoy my sports. I'm excited to get home and watch the NFL playoffs here just (laughs) shortly today, actually.
1: Now remember, this was the playoffs, so Sticks had no idea what was going to happen. But, of course, I had to ask him who was going to win.
0: I was projecting Tom Brady again, once again to make it and win the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. So I was proven wrong last week when they were upset, although it was a really fantastic comeback. A lot of self-inflicted wounds by that Rams team. But nevertheless, the Bucks did almost steal that game. I've been impressed with Jimmy G and what he's pulling off in San Francisco. Of course, he's one of Illinois' favorite sons. Mm-hmm. A graduate of Eastern Illinois University. He's been taking a lot of heat for various reasons. His statistics may not be superstar quality like some of these other quarterbacks, but he just seems to get the job done. So, I'm going to roll with San Francisco, the underdog, to make it to the Super Bowl and win it.
1: And by the time this comes out, we'll see whether you are correct. Yeah, (laughs) sure. So, I mean, have you always been into sports? Yes, yes,
0: yes, pretty much always, Yes.
1: Football, basketball, anything?
0: Um, I think when I first fell in love with like professional sports, when my father and my grandfather, who lived with us, we all kind of evolved into being big Bruins hockey people. And we would sit on the couch and bond. Mm. So maybe it was a time when I could connect with my dad and my granddad together watching Boston Bruins hockey, and at age 9 and 10 years old, I think I developed a love for spectator sports. Excellent. Going back that far, and then the intense sports interactions that the neighborhood kids would have in the street also was a big part of my love of sports, playing sports, from street level all the way through to high school. What did you play? We played street hockey, we played wiffle ball, we went through a spat of building go-karts, where we all had go-karts and go-kart racing, so... Wow. Uh, raisins explored. <laughs> that sounds
1: fun yeah don what what's your favorite non musical thing?
2: I would probably say my wife and I are kind of foodies, and we like to try new things, you know, new spices, new flavors. I don't know that we're the most adventurous people per se. I would say we're more adventurous than maybe the average, probably, but we have some limitations, like I don't really like sushi, you know, uh-huh, you know, some other things uh middle Eastern Mediterranean type stuff and Indian and you know.
1: Do you cook yourself or is it more of being able to go out and check out restaurants and that kind of thing?
2: Yeah I'm not a big cook myself. My wife is though she's really good but we also enjoy just kind of the going out time. We're kind of at a time in our lives where we're both busy. Our kids are almost out of high school. We're kind of transitioning to this time where they're kind of grown and we can kind of do our own thing again and so for breaks we like to venture out and, and find mm. some really cool like a new restaurants or
1: So what's a new restaurant that you found in this area that you really liked?
2: We like, you know, Watson's is awesome and QNR, we love QNR. When we go to QNR, you get a glass of wine there. It's we call it the or pour because it's a really nice pour wine. <laughs> <laughs> they fill that glass and it makes it really enjoyable, right? Punch has awesome cocktails. Most places cocktails are not very good. But Punch has kick ass p- cocktails, cocktails, man. <laughs> They're awesome. And then we'd love to hit like Chicago and places like yeah. that. So one of our favorite places in Chicago is called Avec, A V E C. And they've got some really interesting dishes that we just have been really wowed by. And
1: Are they just styled differently or are they just, are, are they of a particular. It's kind uh, of, I think it's
2: like a Mediterranean, kind of a Mediterranean flair tie in but then some spices and other things thrown in and just Mm. interesting combinations of things too i i should know more about the technical style they might describe themselves as but we just enjoy it you know figure out what you like and you try to find more of it (laughs) yep just try try things you know and get around and you hear about it and read about it and go try it you know don sticks thank you for being
1: on the show and telling me all about your song magic shoes about bristle the CU community and your favorite venues and your favorite non-musical things. And I appreciate you coming all the way out here to record with me. So thank you so much.
0: You're okay. very welcome. It was a pleasure for us to be here. And I think it's really neat that you're even hosting a podcast. And I want to have a podcast, but know what you're able to do to help us come down here and share the good word of Bristol. We put a lot of effort into this record, and it's just nice to have you know the kind of interest that you're able to help us spawn For all the artists that have come down, I think you said this was your 81st
1: episode. This will be, yeah.
0: Yeah, so um, we love coming out here to the country. You live in a beautiful part of the state. There's nothing quite like the feel of East Central Illinois. You can't get this anywhere else. Yeah. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Don King.
0: And this is Styx. Reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live.
1: almost have an npr voice it's so good <laughs> <laughs>
3: studio, Baker, on the
0: inside. i used to live in a punk rock commune in boston across from the boston garden we actually had a skateboard ramp in our living room.